In Jesus' name. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for yet another opportunity to gather together to study your word and to learn at your feet. Holy Spirit, divine, we ask, O Lord, that our eyes of understanding will be enlightened, O God. We ask, O Lord, that you teach us your word by yourself in the name of Jesus. That you speak to our teacher, even beyond what he had prepared for, that he would um, give him the tongue of the learned that anytime he speaks, he will speak your mind. And every one of us here will be blessed in the name of Jesus. That will not just be hearers of the word, but will be doers also, will apply it to our life and will begin to see good, tangible growth in everything that we do. Pray for all those that we invited. We ask Holy Spirit that you will remind them and bring them here. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Okay, Amen. so evening. We want to talk about fasting and prayer. All right, or prayer and fasting, um, um, as the case may be. So um, I want to first start right and ask us, why do we fast based on what you understand? I mean, think about it. If God is not, if God, if God doesn't change, which is a, the truth, um, there's nothing you do actually that can change God. Um, and just for the record, let me start off by saying that. Your fasting can't change God. Your fasting can't even change the will of God. Your fasting can't bend the hand of God. Um, um, your fasting will not make God say you should go right if he has initially if you had initially told you to go left. So I want to ask, start by asking us a question: Why do we fast? Um, from your understanding, why do we fast? Why do we fast? Um, Joy, do you want to help us? Don't start. Okay, um, I, I think from what I know, or what I, I think basically, I think we fast so that we can, like you already said, we're not going to change God's will here. So yeah. I think it's just to help us cut excesses so that we can bring ourselves to the point where, um, would I say to steal our souls or to just cut off, like, because personally, as much as we fast from food, I feel like um, fasting from things like your phone, social media, and all those things go a long way to help us, you know, bring us to this point where our minds are stayed on God, our minds are peaceful or something. We're not just, you know, everywhere as we would normally be. So if you're, if for me, if we're observing all those things, like cutting off social media, cutting off using your phone or things like that, when... Um, Joy, I think we lost you. Are you there? Uh oh, Joy, are you there? Okay, um, I think we lost her. But basically, she was saying um, to help us direct our focus, uh, which is absolutely correct. Anyone else want to help us? Why do we fast? Why do we fast? Um. Um, I'm just going to use so if we are not trying to force the hand of God or change the mind of God, that mm -hmm. means we are the ones changing our own will to align with God's will when we fast. 
And yeah. when we fast, we put ourselves in a position whereby we can hear God play. And as Joy has said, that not just fasting from food or fasting from anything that we have noticed that probably seems to be like a God in our lives. And we need to ensure that we have control over and that our flesh doesn't have more control over us than our spirit. Basically, putting our flesh under subjection. Awesome, awesome. So basically putting our flesh under subjection. So if God doesn't change, and if God is not going to ever change, that means we're the ones who would end up having to change. Okay, one more person before we continue. So why do we fast? Uh, why do you fast? Anyone to the rescue? Um, Austin, do you want to help us? Why we fast? Are you there? Okay, any other person? Why do we fast? Um, I think we, we fast because um, perhaps we 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 are expectant from God. We yeah we have hard desires, or we 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 want God to to respond to us or to answer us with the particular request that we have. So perhaps we, we fast so that we can uh, we can be closer to God. We can uh, we can focus and report and um, maybe we can focus stuff like that. Okay, okay, awesome. All right, um, thanks for the contribution, everyone. And you've all, you've started sharing my notes, so I guess this just makes it faster for me. But I want us to, you know, begin today's, to begin today's study with a um, couple of passages um, to the, in the Bible. You know, one day somebody, no, 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 not directly to me, but some people have said this several times that, I mean, that if Jesus already died and did all the work, then why are we fasting so hard? Are we trying to end our salvation? Are we trying to end God's love? And somebody said, oh, that, I mean, why are we even praying? Because just has done all the work. And this may sound hilarious to you, but there's actually a sect, sect of Christians in quotes that believe that we don't need to pray because Jesus Christ has already done the work. So all we just need to do is to, in quotes, receive. Right, which somehow sounds it sounds partially true, but um, um, there's a lot of error in that. So I want us to look at scriptures and see what Jesus Christ said about fasting. So today we're going to read a lot of scriptures, and I would please crave our indulgence to help in reading um, a lot of them. You just help me read out a couple of them. So let us first start with Matthew chapter six, verse sixteen to eighteen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 to 18. Anyone there can read for us. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 to 18. Um, anyone to the rescue? Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 to 18. Yep. And when you fast, this is NLC. And okay. when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled. So people would admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. Amen. Um, thanks, Dara. So the first thing I want us to 
to look at from these scriptures is the fact that verse 16 says, um, Jesus Christ, this is Jesus Christ speaking now. He says, moreover, when you fast, he begins to go on and on and give directions for fasting. Verse 17, he again says, but thou, when thou fastest. Then verse 18, he says, um, okay, okay, so that's um, just verse 16 and verse 17. But the first thing I want to point out is that fasting is a matter of when, not a matter of if. Meaning that um, it's not is not optional in our Christian experience. It is a compulsory exercise. Jesus Christ did not say, if you fast. Jesus Christ said, when you fast. So you might decide not to fast today, but tomorrow you will fast. You will end up fasting at, at one point or the other. And so Jesus Christ was giving instructions and saying, so whenever you decide to fast, this is the way you should go about the fasting. So the first thing I want to point out for us as believers is that fasting is a when, not an if. Meaning fasting is not optional. Fasting is compulsory fasting is not a decision you make when um it's not it's not a decision you just you you decide to or not it's a decision that you have to make at some point in your life all right and the book of ecclesiastes tells us that it is um it is better for a man to bear the body in the time of his youth meaning it's better for an individual to bear the body while his age is an advantage to him all right uh, because the time will come when you might not be able to certain things because of your age so yeah, I just wanted to establish that fasting is a matter of when, not a matter of if, meaning we will all fast. We might not just fast at the same time, but regardless, we will fast. It's a compulsory experience and exercise for a believer. Praise God. So the next scripture, again, I want us to look at is um, Luke chapter 5, verse 33. Luke chapter 5, verse 33 to 35. Luke chapter 5, verse 33 um, to 35. Luke 5, 33. Jesus yeah. Christ questioned him. John the prophet is known for leading his disciples to frequently fast and pray. As the religious leaders of the land, we do the same. Why do you and your disciples spend most of your time feasting at banquets? 34, Jesus replied, should you make the sons of the bridal chamber fast while celebrating with the bridegroom? But when the bridegroom is taken away from them, then you will see them fast. So what? Yeah, no, 35 is okay. Praise God. Um, thanks, please. So this is what Jesus Christ was ex explaining to his disciples. First of all, um, the Pharisees, the disciples, um, verse 33 says, and they said unto him, why do disciples of, so now this was the Pharisees coming up to Jesus, right? And I said that, um, why do disciples of, the, of John fast often and make prayers? And I says, likewise, the Pharisees. So they were asking Jesus Christ, basically, that we know that um, the followers of John fast, the followers of the Pharisees fast and they pray often. In fact, we see them because um, they fast by the roadside. They, when they fast, they carry their long faces and they have this, you know, I would call it spiritual look. They have this very serious um, dominion to their, to their expression. So it's very clear that they fast. So the question now is, Jesus, why do your disciples not fast? And Jesus Christ explained to them that, you see, as long as the bridegroom is around, the friends of the bridegroom don't need to fast because the bridegroom is around. Um, but he now says when he leaves, then they will have to fast. And that's exactly what, what he says in verse 35. He says, but the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them and then shall they fast in those days. 
Now, I, I read this. I wanted us to read the scripture because I want to explain and debunk, you know, what some people say that if Jesus Christ has done all the work, why do we fast then? Jesus Christ himself was saying that he is the bridegroom. That's by inference. This verse was explaining that he is the bridegroom and that as long as the bridegroom was around, the disciples didn't need to fast. And, and let me explain why. The reason why they didn't need to fast was because Jesus Christ was in physical form. All they needed to do to communicate with Jesus Christ was to walk up to him and start having a conversation. Meaning that God was in a physical body and uh, by implication to con contact or to connect with God, you just needed to use any physical means. So they could have tap Jesus, they could have speak to him. In fact, maybe they shouted at him, you know, we just don't know, but he was in a physical form. So they didn't need anything spiritual to communicate with him. They just needed to talk to him the same way they were talking to every other person. And so while he was around, Jesus Christ said, they don't need to fast because um, at that point, Jesus Christ existed in a realm that they were conversant with, which is the physical realm. It's just like saying um, you have a friend. You, you won't need to fast to talk to the person you had seen physically. You'll just go and talk to the person and say, hey, I want this or ask any question you want to ask. But just like I said, when the bridegroom goes, then they will have to fast. And what is the implication of the bridegroom going? Let me read, let me read John chapter 16, verse 7, verse 7 quickly. John chapter 16, verse 7. Let me just read the implication. Jesus Christ said in John chapter 16, verse 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So the implication of Jesus going was that the Holy Spirit will come. So Jesus Christ, in essence, was saying, you know, you know, verse 35 says, um, but the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken. When the bridegroom is taken, what will happen is that the Holy Spirit will come instead. And in the days when the Holy Spirit comes, he's not going to be in a physical form like Jesus Christ was. So for us to make contact with the Holy Spirit, we'll have to switch to another dimension. And that dimension, for the most part, requires that, just like faith said at the beginning, that we need to put our body under subjection. We need to put our body under control. So just Christ says, in those days, then you will fast. So for the people that say Jesus Christ has done all the work and we don't need to fast, that is absolutely not correct because Jesus Christ himself said when he leaves, um, and consequently the Holy Spirit comes, then in that in those days we will now fast, all right? And um, fasting would aid our connection and interaction with the Spirit that now comes and that represents God living in us. So having said this, it is, I, I, it is okay for me to say at this point that without fasting, you really will not maximize the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because remember, Jesus Christ said, when, in the days when the bridegroom goes, they'll fast, right? And when the bridegroom goes, the Holy Spirit will come. That means fasting is one of the ways that helps us maximize the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, all right? Now, I am not saying that you need to fast to receive the Holy Ghost. However, I'm saying that if you don't fast, there's a lot about the Holy Spirit that you'll be missing out on because you, the, the Holy Spirit will be limited in his expression in your life, all right? So I wanted us to explain that. So just to debunk the fact that um, we don't fast because Jesus Christ has done all the work. In fact, it is because, listen to this, it is because Jesus Christ has done the work, that's why we can fast. If Jesus Christ had not done the work and we just went on fasting, our fasting would not be as effective. In fact, our fasting wouldn't, you know, our fasting wouldn't bring the kind of results we have now if Jesus Christ had not done the work that he had done. But because he has done the work he, he, he has done, 
um, then our fasting now produces the results that we are privileged to experience, okay? Um, all right, so what then is fasting? In very simple and basic terms, fasting is a will, willing or deliberate abstinence from food or other pleasures in order to focus on fellowship with God. Let me take that again. Fasting is a deliberate abstinence from food or other pleasures in order to focus on fellowship with God. Now, um, just I just want to point one important fact in this definition, and it is the word deliberate. It, fasting and fasting and, and, and being hungry are two different things. What I mean is, if somebody doesn't have food to eat, right, and the person is hungry because he doesn't have food to eat, that is totally different from fasting. Um, if somebody probably wants to eat, but somebody decided that he was not going to eat, probably the person just, let's assume a, a child, for instance, wants to eat. In his mind, he wants to eat, but the parents forced him to say, you're not going to eat. Because it is not deliberate, it doesn't carry the same power um, as, as real fasting is. So fasting is a deliberate abstinence where you decide by yourself for whatever reasons that you're going to abstain from food for a period of time. I also need to add that for a period of time um, so that you can fellowship with God, all right? Um, yes, so I can fellowship with God. Okay, so I want to also dive into why we fast, all right? So why do we fast as believers? Now, the first thing, and I, I, I try to summarize this in uh, one, two, three, four points. I try to summarize this in four points, and I hope we are able to finish everything today. But let's start. So the first reason why we fast, um, is to receive the revealed word of God. So if you are if you're writing, you can jot this down. Why do we fast? Number one, to receive the revealed word of God. And I would explain this right away. So to explain this, let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, verse 4. Matthew chapter 1, verse 4. Anyone can read for us if you are there. Um, sorry, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, I beg your pardon. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, not, not 1, verse 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, up to verse 4. Matthew 4, 1. Afterwards, yes. the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the lonely wilderness in order to reveal his strength against the accuser by going through the ordeal of testing. And after fasting for 40 days, Jesus was extremely weak and famished. Then the tempter came to entice him to provide food by doing a miracle. So he said to Jesus, how can you possibly be the son of God and go hungry? Just order these stones to be turned to loaves of bread. For he answered, the scripture says, bread alone will not satisfy, but true life is found in every word, which constantly goes forth from the mouth of God. Wow. Um, thank you so much, Faith. What transition is that, please? Passion. Passion translation. Powerful. So Jesus Christ um, was just got fasted, right? And after 40 days, the devil came to tempt him. And I like the way the Passion translation puts it. He says that the devil came to tell him and said, how can you, the son of God, possibly go hungry? You see, it's important to observe the pattern that out of all the things that Jesus Christ, um, all the things that the devil was going to tempt Jesus Christ with, the first thing he tempted him with was, um, was food. And that shows us something very significant, that the, re, the one of the core temptations in the lives of everybody, 
would, would come through food, um, either directly or, or indirectly, but it would come through food. And it's something that you must be aware of, that the devil being intelligent knows the way the human body works and knows that in the state of hunger, people could can do anything. I mean, Esau literally sold his birthright because he was hungry. So the devil knows that in the state of hunger, we could make um, rash decisions. And so he came to Jesus Christ and says, I mean, you're the son of God. You have all this power. Just tell this stone to, be, to turn to bread and eat it. But in that same moment, right, Jesus Christ also gives us a revelation that, signif that signifies an important aspect of our Christian life as well. And Jesus Christ told the devil, he said, man does not live by bread alone, meaning man does not derive existence, man does not derive satisfaction, man does not derive sustenance from, from bread alone, referring to physical food, but rather he derives all of that from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus Christ was saying in essence that what food does to the body, that there's something else that can supply that sustenance and strength and, and virtue, and that is the word of God, okay? However, I want to point immediately that um, if you check the Greek um, translation, right, the word translated um, um, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, that phrase, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, reads in, it reads in the Greek, every rhema that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I just want to explain briefly what that means. Um, because Joshua was saying that we don't live by bread, but we live by the word that proceeds from the mouth of God, meaning the word that is revealed to us from the mouth of God. Now, rhema simply means a, a specific portion of scripture that God speaks to us from, all right? Now, it could be di a direct quote from scripture or an indirect quote from scripture, but eventually it aligns with the written word of God. So rhema is that spoken word, that released, that revealed word that God speaks to us for concerning a particular matter and at a particular season. Now, Jesus Christ was saying in essence that when you feel hungry, weary, and tired, that your, your energy and sustenance is not derived from eating food alone. At that point, you need to go to the revealed word that God has given you. And that is where sustenance comes from. All right? So man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Meaning that a lot of times when people, when people feel dissatisfied, you know, you know, it's very common, for, for instance, as, as um, human beings, right? When you feel dissatisfied, you want to look for something to relax, to enjoy yourself. But there are some dissatisfaction that cannot be cured by, by you know how we say, by flexing. You cannot flex some kind of dissatisfaction. You can't say, oh, let me just go see a movie. Let me just go out, go out to a nice restaurant and eat. And then, you know, that dissatisfaction will go. No, it may, you may temporarily forget about it, but eventually it will still resurface. And so that kind of dissatisfaction that, um, and that kind of desire for, for, um, for satisfaction, right, would come only from the revealed word of God. Okay, now I need to also point us to a scripture. Now, this, Jesus Christ said this, and when he said this, he actually quoted a scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 8 that I want us to look at together. So Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, let us um, branch to the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Um, yeah, if you're there, can read for us quickly. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Okay, let me read. It says, and he humbled thee. So this was um, Moses speaking to the Israelites. He says, and he humbled thee 
and suffered thee to hunger. When, when he says suffered thee to hunger, it means he allowed you to hunger. And then he fed you with manna, which thou knewest not. Neither did your fathers know. It says that he might that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord does man live. So this is Moses speaking to the Israelites, and this is where Jesus Christ quoted from. And Moses was giving the Israelites an explanation to their experiences in, in time past, that, um, that God humbled them and allowed them to hunger. He allowed them to feel hungry. And then he eventually fed them with manna that neither them nor their fathers even um, had ever experienced before. They had never experienced anything like that. And he says he fed them with that so that they would know that man doesn't live by bread. So the reason why God gave the Israelites manna from heaven wasn't just to satisfy their, their, their need, right? It wasn't, wasn't just to satisfy their hunger. Of course, their hunger was satisfied, but beyond that, God gave them manna from heaven to show them something very crucial. And that is the same lesson that Jesus Christ um, retreated to the, to the devil when he was tempted. And the lesson is this, that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So my question to you is, have you been living by bread alone? I mean, of course, this verse obviously means that it, this verse doesn't mean we don't eat. Of course, we do eat. However, if, our, if the condition of our lives is determined by the state of our, by the, by the quality of our food, then we are we're in big problem. If if the only thing you can contribute to your um, to your standard of living, right, is your is the food you eat, then that's a big problem because man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so Moses was explaining to the Israelites that this is why God gave you guys manna. And there's something I, when I was reading this verse, the Holy Spirit just you know prompted something in my heart, and I won't share it um, here. You know, it says that He humbled you and allowed you to. Hunger, you know, says he fed you with manna which you did not know. And that struck my heart. And the Holy Spirit was saying that what happens when we fast is that God shows us things that we do not know. The same way God gave them manna that they did not know, right? God shows us things in fasting. God gives us revelation. God gives us insights. God gives us wisdom. God gives us direction that we never would have known any other way, all right? And he does that when we engage in um in fasting and in prayer, okay? So don't forget this, man doesn't live by bread alone. So the first reason why we fast is, is that fasting enables us to access revelation. And I believe that in that moment of fasting, let me, I, I, this is my strong belief that when Jesus Christ was fasting, that God must have shown him things and revealed things to him that were personal and they were, they were revelation that were, um, that, that were, you know, exclusive to him as he were, that were personal to him. And, as a result of those, of those revelations, when the devil came and tempted him with food, he was so satisfied in his soul that he didn't need external food to give him that satisfaction. So he told the devil and said, man doesn't live by this thing you're you asking me to do. That rather man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And it so happens that I have received that proceeded word from God. So there's a satisfaction in my heart. I believe that's what happened um, when Jesus Christ fasted. So every time we fast, we have access to revelation. We have access to light. Okay, let's quickly glance at um, Isaiah chapter 58, verse 8. Isaiah 58, verse 8. I'll just show something there. Isaiah 58, verse 8. Someone read for us if you are there. Isaiah 58, verse 8. Anyone? Isaiah 58. 
Yes, please. Then your light will break out like the dawn, and your healing restoration, new life will quickly spring forth. Your righteousness will go before you, leading you to peace and prosperity. And the Lord and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guide. Am I reading the right? Yes, yes, you're correct. You're correct. So verse eight. Um, my emphasis is the first. Um, the first statement. He says. Then King James says, then thy light shall break forth as the morning. So and, and if you read the whole chapter, this chapter talks about fasting and prayer. And, um, and I encourage you to read it, actually. And, and as I was saying here by, by prophecy, says that when you fast, what will happen, actually, is that your light will eventually break forth. Um, meaning, meaning things that you, you did not know before you will just suddenly appear to you. Um, things that you were unaware of will just suddenly come to you. And, and many times it could be revelation about what you are going through at the moment or revelations about the next season of your life or revelations about your identity, what God, how God sees you and what God says you are and who God says you are. All right. So fasting is very important to, to insight and revelation. And I'll just give us this tip. If you are going through a period that seems confusing, right? If you are going through a season that seems confusing, let me encourage you, take out a couple of days to fast. Take out at least three days to fast about what you're going on. And I can assure you clarity will come. And um, uh, your, you know, understanding will just pop up, will just show. It becomes clear in your spirit what, what you should do. So let me encourage us again, anytime you go through seasons that you don't know uh, what's going on, or seasons that you are confused, or probably you have a couple of options to um, choose from. Maybe, let's say you're a lady, for instance, and then three guys are asking you out, and saying that, that you should marry them. And all based on all the parameters they've taught us in church, these guys are good. I will encourage you to take out time to fast. If you have a problem, if you want to make a job decision, um, either to switch from one job to another or to or you have a couple of offers to decide from, I will encourage you just take out some, some days to fast and let insights come and clarity comes. All right. So when we fast, God shows us things that we do not know about. Light and revelation breaks forth um, to us, all right. Um, I said here that there's a satisfaction that physical food can't give us, only a revealed word can, all right? And we access that revealed word through fasting and prayer. Let me just read one more scripture for us um, on this point. Jeremiah chapter 20, sorry, Jeremiah chapter 15. Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16. Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16. By the way, yeah, let me just encourage us that we, I encourage us to take notes during Bible study, um, not just to write, not just to write, I mean, what I'm saying, but there are many times when I'm like, when I, when, when I'm in fellowship or in church or during Bible study, that something might just pop up in my heart um, that, that the, you know, the speaker didn't say, and I uh, write it immediately and it becomes a foundation for several series of revelations. So I just want to encourage us, um, you can write down things that, you know, Holy Spirit drops in your heart. Okay, Jeremiah 15, verse 16. Please read for us if you are there. Jeremiah 15, verse 16. Verse 16, NLC. yes, please. When I discovered your word, I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight. For I bear your name, O Lord God of heaven's army. Praise God. So Jeremiah was saying that when I discovered your word, you know, I, I like that term, discovered, because... There are many times when you read the Bible and you don't even see some things. 
And then suddenly one day, your eyes just pop open to something you've been reading for several years. And that is a discovery. And Jeremiah was saying that when I discover things like that in your world, I devour them. I literally consume them. You know, and that is the same thing we do with fiscal food, that we consume fiscal food. And so God <coughs> is saying that there's a higher, there's a higher experience of satisfaction that you should devour. And that is the word of God. And when we fast, what happens is that um, God light breaks forth to us. We experience revelation and illumination more than we, we normally would experience. And that satisfaction cannot come from any other thing except the word of God. So number one reason why we fast is that fasting gives us um, access to the revealed word of God. And again, let me encourage you. Let me say this, that if you are going through any period of confusion, maybe things are going on and you don't understand what's going on, um, and you just feel a bit confused, please, I encourage you, take out some days to fast, and you'll be surprised at the light, at the understanding, and illumination that God will grant unto you. All right. So, number two reason why we fast. I hope that one was clear enough. Uh, you can give me a thumbs up if it's clear, or you can just drop something in the chat if that was clear enough. First reason why we fast. Oh, thumbs up from Faith. Thumbs up from Idara. Who else? Okay, Lily says it's very clear. All right. Um, okay, I assume it's clear to everyone then. So, second reason why we fast um, is this. We fast to renew our strength. We fast to renew our strength. And I would explain, let me use the analogy of fiscal food because, you know, fasting is abstinence from fiscal food and, and there's a parallel, you know, um, between fiscal food and fasting. Just the same way, let's say, for instance, today now, um, for those of us that went out to work, you probably have gone out to work and you are back by now, I'm guessing. Um, for those that have that didn't go to work, you probably worked from home or worked remotely, you, um, you have been working and you are, I guess, tired, um, at the end of the day, you feel hungry and you want to eat. So what? when you eat food, you feel energized and revitalized. Now, that is, <clears throat> that is what fasting does to our spirits. There are times when we are weary on the inside. There are times when we could be tired. Just, I mean, you know, going through life itself can make you tired. And going through certain experiences in life can make you weary. Um, you could be going through challenges or, or just the state of the environment itself can make you weary. And especially for last year, I mean, for those of us that were in Nigeria, and even if you're not in Nigeria, you probably must have seen things that happened in Nigeria, right? Um, with the whole um, protests and all of that. You know, that period was a bit, was, was quite a dark period for the country. And a lot of people fell into depression. A lot of people were discouraged. A lot of people were weary. And that is expected. So that situations like that could make us weary. And um, other situations could be personal. Probably you have been trusting God for a particular thing, maybe for healing or for someone or for yourself, or you'll be trusting God for a particular thing and it's just, it just seems to be taking a long time. Those kind of events could weary your soul. And one of the things we do, one of the ways we renew our strength and very, very, very important is that we go on periods of fasting. And let me say this, don't ever assume spiritual weariness can be cured by going to hangouts. Let me, let me just tell you guys the truth. If you are physically tired, yes, you can go to go and relax, take a vacation, go to the beach, go and see the movies, hang out with your friends. That's fine if it's a physical tiredness. But if it's a spiritual weariness, you cannot cure it by going to hang out with your friends. You can't cure it by going for a comedy show. You can't cure it by going on a vacation. 
like I said earlier, you can temporarily forget it, but it will always resurface. It's just like someone taking alcohol to forget his sorrows. You temporarily forget your sorrows, but one day the alcohol will win and the sorrows will multiply on you, all right? So when we are spiritually weary, the only way we can do that is by by renew. The only way we can renew our strength, rather, is by waiting on God, all right? And waiting on God is super important um, in our spiritual experience. And let me just say this, as human beings, we'll go through seasons where, where we'll be physically tired, where, where we'll be spiritually tired, I mean. You'll go through seasons where, where we just feel tired. I mean, I don't know if it's only me that's experienced this, but I'm sure a lot of us can relate. There are times when you just feel tired. If they ask what I'm tired about, you can't exactly pinpoint you might look for an excuse and say, maybe it's work, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's this or that. But in your heart, you know that it is not any of this. You just feel weary. And you are, you feel so unmotivated, unmotivated. You feel so um, downcast. Let me say this to you. If you ever feel like that, don't, don't think twice. The next day, go on a spiritual fast. Take out a day or a couple of days and wait on the Lord. If you don't do that, let me tell you the implication. What will happen is that, your spiritual defense system will be weak and it will be very easy for the enemy to inject your, your heart with certain thoughts. You know, people that, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm not even, all, all I'm saying is not in my notes, but let me just continue. People that, that usually go down with depression, and let me tell you how it starts most times. It starts by this internal weariness where they are weary about something and then they don't take out time to fast and wait on God. What happens now is that what they do is that, oh, they say, let me just go and eat. And they eat and eat and eat, and it doesn't cure it. And what happens is they go deeper in that, in that, in that um, depressed state. Then they say, oh, let me go and hang out. They go and see a movie. They go visit a friend. They do all of that. And it, it doesn't solve it. They still go deeper. And in that state, their spiritual defense system is weak. And the enemy would, can now easily suggest certain thoughts to them. You now suggest the thought and say, you see, you are a failure. Now, on a normal day, the person will just easily bounce the thought off and reject the thought. But because the person is spiritually weary, the energy to resist the thoughts from the enemy is no longer there. And the person begins to entertain certain thoughts like, oh, I am not enough. I am not qualified. Um, I am a failure. This life doesn't have anything to offer. And if the person continues in that path, then that because the person has accepted those thoughts, the spirit of depression now has illegal access to the person's life and it begins to weigh on the person. And again, if the person does not wait on God, it can keep going deeper and deeper. So I encourage you, right, every one of us, if you ever feel spiritually weary, you're just tired, you just feel demoralized. If I, let me tell you, you, in case you are trying to say, oh, is it spiritual or not, just fast. Just fast. There's no harm in fasting. Whether it's spiritual or not, at the end of the day, you will not lose. So in case you are thinking, eh, is it spiritual? Is it physical? I don't know. You know what? Just go on a fast. Go on a fast. It is, it is medically healthy and spiritually healthy as well. Okay, so let me read a couple of scriptures for us. Um, Isaiah chapter 40. Let's start with that. Someone should please read for us Isaiah chapter 40, verse 27 to 31. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 27 to 31. Please read for us if you are there. Isaiah 40, verse 27. Yes, oh, I think I did wrong. Sorry, one second. Uh, Idara, you're not clear enough. Isaiah 40, verse 27. You can hear me? Okay, now I can hear you. Can you hear me now? Yes, yes, please. Okay. 
Isaiah 40, verse 27 to 31. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord doesn't see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your right? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is everlasting, is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depth of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even the youth will become weak and tired, and the young men will, feel, will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Praise God. Thank you, um, um, Idara. So let me just start explaining from verse 29. This, um, Isaiah was talking about, about God and explaining the qualities of God. And verse 29, he says that one of the things you must know about God is that God gives power to the weary. He gives power to the faint. Meaning that God is a generous God. God is, this, God is the fountain of strength. That means God, of course, the previous verse, um, verse 28 tells us that he never grows weary. He never gets tired. And the only reason why he can never go weary or get tired is because all strength originates from him. And the, that's the first thing we must know as believers, that anytime we ever go to God, there is more than enough strength to supply us. No matter the depth of your weariness, no matter the depth of the depression, no matter the depth of the of the um, of what it is heaviness, it doesn't matter the depth that God has sufficient strength for us. The second thing we need to know about God is that God is generous enough to give. That He gives power to the faint. So if you are fainting in your Christian work, if you are feeling unmotivated in the things of God, you are feeling um, just discouraged, and you're just just feeling um, what's the word now complacent. The Bible says that God, he gives power to the faints. And, and to them that have no might, he increases their strength. So if your might is, if your, your spiritual energy level is on zero, God has the ability to increase it and increase it and always keep on increasing it. And the Bible now says that even the youth shall fail. Now, I need to explain what this means. You know, by human, um, by human physiology, the, the, the demography of people that have the most strength are, are the youths, Okay. So people within the ages of, say, 20 to 40 have more strength and physical strength now than people who are 50 to, you know, 80 and above, meaning that the, the older um, people get, the more their strength tends to diminish. And so the Bible says that even the youth, meaning even those who are considered to be strong, that even those people eventually um, go faint and they get weary. And even the young men will utterly fail. That means at the end of the day, any person that relies on his or her physical strength will, will utterly fail. However, there's an exemption. There's a, there's a system that God created for us to draw strength from a source that is not human. There's a system that God created for us to outsource our strength. And the Bible says that everyone that waits on the Lord will renew their strength. Meaning when other people are getting weary, their strength will keep on going higher and higher. Then he now says something that they shall mount up with wings as eagles. When he says mount up with wings as eagles, there is a clear, um, there's an analogy that the book of Psalm 103 gives us. Um, I, we won't read it, but you can check it out. Psalm 103 verse 5, you know, um, when he says, from verse 1 says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And it continues right down. And verse, verse 6 says, who renews your strength as the eagle? Meaning one of the, and, and, and um, 
Well, animal scientists and those that study study animals and, and have studied the ego tells us that the ego has a system of renewing its strength so that even though it is old, it is not weak. It is still efficient and powerful. And God, this is what God is saying, that typically, based on human experience, the older you get, the weaker you get. But, they, but God says that there's a system that reverses that, that the older you get in God, the stronger you become, if you know how to tap into the system of renewing of strength. You know, there are times when, and I experienced this, especially in secondary school, where you see people that give their life to Christ and they're so energetic when they give their life to Christ. They're so excited, so bubbly. They were all sharing their testimony. And then give them some months. All of a sudden, you find, find out that that's um, um, enthusiasm, that's um, that eagerness, that's you know, what we call ginger, that's spiritual ginger, that eagerness begins to diminish and begins to diminish. And it now gets to a point where somebody says, See, and this church said, I beg, I beg, no be by force. After all, we all of us, God day, God day, you know. And people make things like, people make statements like, uh -uh, am I the one, that, am I the only Christian in this world? Why am I the only, am I, I'll pray in the morning, pray in the afternoon, pray in the night. Am I the only one? Am I the one that killed Jesus? That kind of thing. And 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 when they see others being fervent in spirit, they term them, they call them certain names. Ah, Spirit Coco, Mother of Jesus, uh, Apostle, uh, Bishop, you know. And when you see people that were once on fire for God, and at some point they are now complacent, what happened is that their strength diminished and they did not know how to renew their strength. And let me say that in these days that we are, we really need to know how to renew our strength because if you, if you, if you observe what is going on in the country, in the world at large, right, in terms of um, the attack that the enemy is launching against Christian values, Against um, the against the principles of God's word, if you are not strong in God and if you don't know how to renew your strength, then at some point you become so discouraged, you become so weak, and you might just eventually faint. And something and and, and uh, what's his name Elijah the prophet was almost getting to that state. Imagine Elijah after killing the prophets of Baal, after calling fire from heaven, after doing all those wonders, a single threat from Jezebel sent him running. He ran to a point where he got under a tree, and this is Elijah, the great prophet. He told God, God, at this point, I am no better than my father. Just kill me and let me die. I just want to die and go. So how, how can a man that just finished doing so much miracles get to a, to a state where he's emotionally weary and spiritually weak and says, God, I just want to die? I mean, it's almost unthinkable. Imagine if one of his, one of his proteges came and met him at that state. What would they even say about him? They'll be too surprised. But it is possible. Now, let me say this. It's, it is by the grace of God and by the, by the renewal of God, of strength in us by God, that we're able to run this Christian life and um, Christian race fervently. If not for the um, grace and the strength of God, we all will at some point almost deny the faith. All right? And so if you see, let's say Christians or you see pastors or you see people that were once serious in God get to a point where they are... They are, they are non non challenged. They are they are just complacent and they don't care anymore about the things of God. It's because they got to a season where they were weary, but they didn't know how to renew their strength. All right. So I will encourage all of us: don't don't sugarcoat it. If you feel weary in your spirit, don't deny it. Don't hide it. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Just know what to do, and that is go to God, wait on God in the fast, and renew your strength. When you wait on God in the fast, what happens is that you allow God to minister to you. And God begins to minister to you energy. You know, when you read, when you read the, um, I think it's the account of Luke, 
when we read the account of Luke, right, after Jesus fasted, uh, yeah, it should be Luke, after, neither Luke or Matthew, but after Jesus Christ fasted, the Bible says that angels came and ministered to him. That ministering is a ministration of strength. And this was not the only time um, when Jesus Christ was in the Garden of Gethsemane, after praying, he was so, um, so full of anguish in his spirit, man, and he was so troubled in his spirit, man. And after praying, the Bible says that angels came and ministered strength to Jesus Christ. So we all need to be, need to um, go through that experience severally where we are minist- where we receive strength from God. All right, and the major way we do that is by waiting on God in fasting and in prayer. So when we wait on God in fasting and prayer, what happens is that God energizes us, God renews our strength, we feel new again, and we're able to face the task and challenges ahead. All right, let me share. Let, let me let me share with us a, a testimony and personal experience. I may not be wow. Okay, there's a lot here to cover. Okay, let's share personal experience. This is my own personal story. You know, sometime in 2000 and, and 2014, one, one Sunday morning, fe- yeah, first, no, no, not first, um, I think it was the end of October, like the last Sunday in October um, um, that, that year, we, I, when I was in church, you know, the pastor was preaching and then I forgot what the pastor said, but immediately he said something. That moment, he just dropped in my spirit that I should fast for the next 40 days. So I said, okay, so I was going to start the next next the next day. So the next day was 1st of November, I think. So for the next, from the next day till 40 days after, I was just fasting. And to be honest, I didn't know exactly why I was fasting per se, but I knew that God wanted me to wait on him in the fast. So, but, but every time, every day I prayed and, and God was revealing things to me. And during that period, God showed me things that shaped my life and are still shaping my life till today. All right. But fast forward to the next year, 2015, and then um, sometime in April, my dad passed on. And it, of course, it was a surprise. Nobody you know, expected. And it was when my dad passed on that I now knew the reason why God wanted me to fast the previous year. Because when my dad passed on, normally I would, I would, be, I would have been overtaken with grief. I would have been overtaken with maybe sorrow or probably even anger to God and start saying, God, why, why? But we serve you. My father served you. Why, why would this happen? You know, but I noticed that even me, I was amazed at myself. All through that period, I was not depressed. God, I had, I had strange strength to face that season. And it was during that season I now knew that God was preparing me for that season in the, the year earlier. And that's why he asked me to fast. And I'm saying this to encourage you that that sometimes God will ask you to fast. You might not even know why. But what he wants to do is to energize you for certain things that you may be facing in the coming months or in the coming years or in the next seasons of your life, all right? So fasting is extremely important in renewing our strength. All right, so I want to show us something again. Um, uh, let me just see. I'm trying to go quick on this. Okay, let me read Hebrews chapter 3, verse 16. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 16. Still talking about... Um, still talking about strength, I just want to show something. Hebrews chapter chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. You can read for us if you are there. I'm still looking for mine. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, where's my Hebrews? Hebrews 3, 16. Yes, the same people who were delivered from bondage and brought out of Egypt by Moses but the ones who heard and still rebelled, they grieved God for 40 years by sinning in their own belief until they dropped dead in the desert. 
So God swore an oath that he would never, that they would never enter into his coming place of rest, or because they disobeyed him. It is clear that they could not enter into their inheritance because they were because they wrapped their hearts in unbelief. Praise God. Um, thank you, Faith. So, so Jesus Christ, I'm sorry, the writer of Hebrews here was explaining to us that um, the people that came out of, of Egypt, that's Israelites, couldn't go into the promised land because, because of their unbelief. And the Bible says that they were they dropped dead in the wilderness, meaning they were consumed in the wilderness because of their unbelief. Now, I want to read something quickly for us in the book of Numbers chapter 11. So Numbers chapter 11, verse, um, verse 4 and 5. I'll just read that quickly. Um, and the mix, no, 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 not numbers. So yeah, there's, you can read that on your own, but that's not where I want to read. I want to read from, from Exodus, sorry. Exodus 16. You can read numbers um, 11 verse 4 to 5 later, but just because of time, I want to quickly move fast. Exodus chapter 16, verse 3 and 4. I just want you to imagine these Israelites. They, are, they were an amazing, amazing bunch of people. Um, Exodus chapter 16, verse 3 and 4. Now, the children of Israel said unto them, they said, would, would, would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full, for you have brought us forth into this wilderness. Remember that Hebrews tells us that they were consumed in the wilderness, they, they died in the wilderness, okay, because of their unbelief. But I want you to see what fueled their unbelief. He says that you have brought us into this wilderness to kill us, um, to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall, shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. Basically, this is what happened. The Israelites came out of Egypt and, and they faced a challenge. But they're not, in the face of the challenge, they said, they said to Moses, Moses, you should have just allowed us die in, in Egypt. And what was the real reason for them desiring that? They, uh, the real reason for them desiring that was because they said, we sat by the flesh pots, meaning they sat with, with, they had a lot of meat to eat. They had a lot of bread to eat to their food. So what really was driving them back to Egypt, what was driving their hearts back to Egypt was the food that they had access to in Egypt. And if you read the book of Numbers 11, verse 4 to 5, where I just referred to, it says that they desired the ginger and garlic that was in Egypt. Their whole minds were all about food. And because there was so much given to food, they were eventually consumed by the, temp by the temptations or by the um, challenges in the wilderness, all right? Meaning that there's so much desired food that they, they would have rather gone back to Egypt and had access to those food that moved forward to the, to the land that God was showing them. And so because of that, all of them, all that generation died in the wilderness and didn't enter the promised land. Now, if you read book of um, Hebrew, Numbers chapter 20, sorry, Numbers chapter 14, right? It explains to us that after the spies came back, they doubted and all of that, all of that. So God said, you guys will take 40 years to get to the promised land. Now, the Bible in Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 1 verse Deuteronomy chapter, what is it? Chapter 1, verse 2, I believe, tells us that it could have taken them 11 days to make their entire journey. But because of their disobedience and their desire for food, it eventually took them 40 years to make that journey. Now, I'm saying all of this to say that when we go through wilderness experiences in our lives, let us pay attention to fasting and prayer. Let us devote ourselves 
to fasting and prayer, else we'll be consumed in the wilderness. And now it's something similar again um, um, happened in the, in the New Testament, and this is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 4 was driven to the wilderness to be tempted of the devil for 40 days. And because he was fasting and he waited on God, fasting and prayer, the Bible lets us know that at the end of the 40 days, he came out of, he came out victoriously, I mean, like the story lets us know. Meaning that the same wilderness experience that the Israelites were consumed in was the same wilderness experience that Jesus Christ went through and he came out victorious because Jesus Christ was given to fasting and prayer. What I'm saying is this, that if you go through a wilderness season of your life, don't just say, oh, I'm going to eat and have fun. I'm just going to eat and forget, forget my sorrow. I'm just going to drink and forget my sorrow. No. Wait on God in prayer and fasting. A wilderness situation is one that demands prayer and fasting. I don't know what a wilderness situation may mean for you. It could mean different things. It could mean periods of intense temptations. It could mean um, period of intense um, 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 battling and, and resistance from the enemy. Whatever it is, give yourself to fasting and prayer during those seasons. Praise God. All right, so I need to move quickly. What is the third reason we fast? Um, why do we fast? Um, but before I move on, please, if, you, if this last point was clear to you, uh, you can give me a thumbs up or just drop something in the chat so I know we are together. Um, so I know we are together. Okay, thumbs up from Faith. Anyone else following? Was it clear to you? Okay, oh, thumbs up from Faye. Okay, thumbs up from Ida. Okay, thank you. Thumbs up from Esther. All right, good. So, um, number third, number three reason, rather, why we fast is this. We fast so that we can birth, so we fast so that we can be sensitive to, and so that we, sorry, sorry, let me take that again. We fast so that we can be sensitive to and birth new seasons in our lives. Let me take that one more time. We fast so that we can be sensitive to and birth new seasons in our lives. What that means is, one of the reasons why we fast is so that we can be sensitive to new seasons in our lives and also so that we can birth those new seasons in our lives. All right? So let's go back to Luke chapter 5. We read, we read the scripture earlier today. Luke chapter 5, verse 34. Luke chapter 5, verse 34. Um, 34 to 39, Luke chapter 5, verse 34 to verse 39. Five. Yeah, go ahead. Jesus said, Should you make the sons of the bridal chamber fast while celebrating with the bridegroom? But when the bridegroom is taken away from them, then you will see them fasting. And he gave them this instruction. No one rips up a new garment to make patches for an old worn-out one. If you tear up the new to make a patch for the old, it will not match the old garment. And who pours new wine into an old wine skin? If someone did, the old wine skin will burst and the new wine will be lost. New wine must always be poured into new wine skin. Yet you say, the old ways are better, and you refuse to even taste the new that I bring. Praise God. Thank you for that reading. So, um, we, we read the scripture earlier, and I just wanted to, I, I, I wanted us to read from verse 34 so that we would see that this was in the context of fasting and prayer when Jesus Christ said, um, new wines, 
um, no one puts new wine in an old wine skin. So it was in that context of fasting and prayer. I remember that from verse 33, they had asked them, why do you, why do your disciples not fast and all of that? And Josh Christ explained to them why, you know, using the analogy of the bridegroom and um, the friends of the bridegroom. And then he now went on to explain to them in a parable that nobody puts new wine in old wine skins. Now, new wine here could, re could represent, um, new wine here could represent experiences in God. New wine here could rep represent new seasons in God. New wine here could represent things that are coming fresh, new, just anything new that comes from God, right? And Josh Christ was basically saying that no one puts this new wine into old wine skins, meaning that they, the, so, I mean, just like we, we, we know, the wine skin, the purpose of the wine skin is to contain and to hold the wine, all right? So what Josh Christ was saying in essence is that if God is going to introduce new dimensions into our lives, then the, the, the container that accommodates that dimension has to be renewed. And this is so important because when God wants to lead us into new seasons of our lives, what God typically does is that he takes us into a period of renewal, all right? And that period of renewal could, in details, involve several things, but largely speaking, it requires us to wait on God for a particular season. And if you check your life, you will also know that um, you also discover that when whenever new things were going to come into your life, you just notice, I mean, if you are diligent to the impressions of God, you will notice that you had the impression to fast or you had the impression to wait on God for a period of time. Or even if you didn't know new things were coming, you just notice that after a period of fasting and prayer, new things suddenly started coming into your life. What happened is that new wine had been, had been poured into new wine skins. So our waiting on God is that, is, is, is creating the right wine skin to accommodate the new wine that God is bringing into our lives. I hope, hope that's clear enough. All right, so um, new wines, uh, like I said, could represent seasons, could represent experiences, could represent encounters, okay? And God will only bring this into our lives when there are, when there's a, when there's, when the wine skin is fresh enough to accommodate it. Let, let me just tell you this, that one of the, you know how, how we call, what we call hacks, you know? Let me give you one spiritual hack. If you notice that for a season in your life, you have been on the same spot, either spiritually or maybe even financially or um, in your career or in any area of your life, let me tell you one spiritual hack to do. Go to God and wait on God in, in a fast. At the end of that fast, right, for that specific reason, let's assume um, I've been on the same level spiritually. Let's say in terms of manifesting the power of God, I've just been experiencing the same thing. And I really want a, an increase. I want new dimensions. What I'll do is I'll go and wait on God in a fast. And at the end of that fast, you, without extra effort, I will notice a change. In my encounters in revelation, in my encounters in, in insight, my encounters in prayer, in my encounters in ministering the power of God. And this is true also for your academics, for your finances, for your business. Wait on God on a fast for that particular thing, for your career you are going to see a dramatic change after that fast, all right? Now, there's something I want to point out to us from that, from this verse that we just read, and it is in verse 38. Verse 38 says, but new wine must be put into new bottles. My emphasis is on the word must. It says new wine must be put in new bottles, meaning if there is no new bottle, new wine will never be poured into it. What that also means conversely is that if we want to, if we want to accommodate new wine, all we need to do is to change our wine skin. 
renew our wine skin, and then new wine will automatically be poured into it. So why I'm saying this is because many times we are waiting on God and we tell God, oh God, you know, fill me afresh. Give me, give me something fresh from your spirit. Give me a new experience. Meanwhile, it is actually God waiting on us to renew our wine skin. And what God is saying is that the moment you renew your wine skin, I am, remember I told you that God is more than, more than sufficient enough. He has excess in supply. <clears throat> so the moment you renew your wine skin, God automatically pours in wine into that wine skin. And so God is not, we're not the ones waiting on God. God is actually waiting on us to renew our wine skin. And the way we do that is through fasting and praying. All right, when we wait on God in the fast, when we wait on God in fasting and prayer, what happens is that we are, we are, we are renewing our wine skin. The, the analogy that's come to my mind right now is, um, is like that of a snake. Um, one of the things that snakes do to keep themselves fresh is that they, they do, what's it called now? They shed off their skin, yes. You know, um, after some time, snakes shed off their skin <clears throat> so that they have fresh skin. And it's something similar to that that we, we do in the spirit when we wait on God in the fast. In the fast, is that we shed off our old skin, our old debris, our old old self, and old things that are, are not consistent with the new wine that God wants to pour. And when we do that, God brings God. Um, we create the environment for God to put in the new wine, and then we have a new encounter. So. To receive new, a new season, to enter into a new season, you need to um, you need to create the atmosphere for that. And from my experience and from the word of God, new seasons are usually preceded by a period of fasting and prayer. Don't forget this. New seasons are always preceded by a period of fasting and prayer. All right? Now, I wrote here that people, a lot of times, and I, this is very, very, very crucial, and I'm afraid we might have to end on this note. But this is very crucial. Let me say this, that a lot of times people miss the seasons of their lives because they are spiritually insensitive. And, and one, of the, one of the biggest, last, last year, yes, one of the biggest lessons, no, not just last year, 2019 and, and last year, 2020, one of the biggest lessons I learned is that it's about times and seasons. And the truth is that Although God is not bound by time, however, his agenda is expressed through times and seasons. So his agenda in your life, his agenda in your family, his agenda in your business, his agenda in the world generally is unveiled through times and seasons. Now, if you are diligent to follow the times and the seasons that God is bringing you into, you'll find out that you'll be able to do several things with ease. Not as if there wouldn't be challenges, but the, the strength and the wisdom and the opportunity to escape those challenges will always be there for you. All right. So if you are diligent with your times and seasons, you just find out that your life is moving really quickly. Really, it's just it's, it's almost like what we say is on autopilot. It just moves quickly. But if you miss your time and your season, it's going to be really difficult to catch up. Not that it is impossible. I'm just saying it will be a lot more difficult. And you will have to go through stress and through probably battles that you didn't need to go through. And one of the major reasons why people miss their times and their seasons is because they are spiritually insensitive to what God is doing in their lives. And for instance, last year, 2020, was such a strategic year for, for the whole world entirely. I mean, that's obvious. But for the believers um, in particular, because if you were diligent to see and to wait on God and sense what God was doing. You sense that God was making a lot of changes. God was doing a lot of things 
um, both personally um, in our lives as individuals and 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 in the global scale um, of Christianity. And those who are diligent enough to pay attention to the times and seasons, seasons that um, God is leading them into, you find out that for the next 10 or 20 years of their lives, you just see them going on with ease. And it's, it's almost be as if, like, what did this person do? And many times it's not because this person knows how to pray the most or knows how to um, sacrifice the most, but because this person has been sensitive to the dealings of God, in his or her life, all right? Let me read us a, a, a passage of scripture to explain what I'm saying. Matthew chapter 24. Um, Matthew chapter 24, verse 37 and verse 39. Matthew chapter 24, verse 37 to, to, um, to 39. All right, so let, let me just read that quickly for us. It says, but as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days of, for as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking. Listen to this. So Jesus Christ was speaking about the day that he will come, right, on the last day. However, um, however, this also applies even to our lives at this very moment. And he was saying that just as it was in the days of Noah, he says just before the flood, meaning there was an impending danger, there was an impending flood, a, a new a new a new um, generation was going to come. Um, something drastic was going to happen to the whole world, and a new, a new season, as it were, was going was going to come upon the whole world. But guess what people were doing? Verse, where are we now? Verse, um, where are we? Verse, verse thirty-eight. Yes, he says, "For as in the days before, as in days that were before the flood, he says they were eating and drinking." So. I mean, it, just think about this. Like now, in, in retrospect, we know everything that happened, but obviously these people didn't know. But a great change was going to come to the whole world. The world was going to be wiped away, and only Noah and, and anybody that was in the ark was going to be saved. And mind you, anybody could have access to the ark. It wasn't that God just wanted only Noah to, be, to, have, to come in. Anybody could come into the ark and was going to be saved. But guess what these people were doing? They were eating and drinking. And I'm going to say that a lot of people, a lot of Christians are like this right now, that massive things are going on in the realm of the spirit, but they don't know about it because they are what? They're eating and drinking. They're enjoying themselves. They are flexing. They are enjoying life. They are like, oh, I mean, God has blessed us. And, and sadly speaking, for many people, it is the blessing of that God has given to them that has ended up being their, um, their greatest disadvantage. Maybe they just got a promotion or they got a new job that is paying them three times what they used to end before. And so there's there's more disposable income to, you know, flex and and and, and hang around town. And it is because of that that, that they are now spiritually insensitive. And so a lot of Christians are eating and drinking when a new season is just at hand. And I, I want us not to be in that category of people, all right? So yes, fasting and prayer helps us to discern the seasons of God in our lives. All right, when you are what fasting does is that fasting starves your flesh and feeds your spirit. So with fasting, you are your your the senses, your physical senses no longer have dominance over you. Rather, you are now more alert to your spiritual um spiritual senses. All right. And the last scripture I'm going to read for tonight is Isaiah chapter 66, verse 7 and uh, 7 to 9. We'll just read this and we will pray. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 7, verse 7 to 9. 
Isaiah chapter 66, verse 7 to 9. Anyone there can please read for us. <coughs> Isaiah 66, please go ahead, verse 7 to 9. Isaiah 66, okay. New right. No, go ahead, Esther. Okay, before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, delivered a male child. Who has had such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. Praise God. Let, let me just explain this, this with an experience we, we probably are familiar with. You know, there are times in our lives where you can't place why, but you just feel a bit of burden in your heart and, and a bit of uneasiness. And this is not fear of the future or fear of anything at all. But it's just a burden you just keep sensing in your heart that, and you don't know, you can't place why it is there. You can't say that, oh, it's because of my work or because of my family or because of my siblings or anything like that. There's just a body. Let, let, let me tell you what is going on. It is the, it is the pain of, of childbirth. It is the, you know, the Bible says in, in New Testament that before a woman gives birth, she feels that birth pangs, all right? And I mean, I'm, I'm not a woman. I've never given birth before. But at least doctors can confirm to us that just before a woman puts to birth, um, that she, she feels these contractions, this pain in her, in her stomach, right, in her womb. And it is that is exactly what we feel, what we experience in the realm of the spirit. That whenever a new season is coming, you begin to feel a bit of uneasiness, a, a bit of burden in your spirit, and you might not be able to articulate it in in words. Okay, and what God wants us to do is that when we begin to feel that way, declare a fast for yourself. Take out some days to fast and go and wait on God. And what you do is that you give birth in the realm of the spirit. You travel with those pains when you. When you go on a fast, right, what happens when you go on a fast in this kind of situation? What happens is that God begins to show you revelation. God begins to drop scriptures in your heart that speaks about what you are experiencing in your spirit. Remember that the man of the flesh does not know what's going on in the realm of the spirit, but the spiritual man descends all things. So in the place of prayer, God begins to reveal to you what you are experiencing. It could be that God wants you to begin to start a maybe a ministry or excuse me, or God wants you to um, begin to do something particular, or maybe God wants you to, to start a business, or God wants to, you to even relocate to a new location, you will not really know what that, that internal feeling is about if you don't go any fast. And that's what um, Isaiah is telling us here, that as soon as Zion travailed, she, she gave birth. So what happens in the place of prayer is that we travail, and then we give birth to the revelation of, um, of what God wants us to do. We give birth to the to the direction that God wants us to take. We give birth to the um, to the idea. It could be a business idea. It could be a ministry idea. It could be um, an instruction that God wants you to begin to execute. All right? So if we don't travel in the place of prayer and fasting, we might miss out seasons. And, and one of the most, most, most difficult things and most, uh, how do I put this in, very sad thing to experience that anybody can experience is missing a season in his or her life. It's almost like an elevator, okay? Just think about a 20-story a, a building and you're on the ground floor and the elevator comes, someone is on the ground floor, the elevator opens on the ground floor and is going to the 20th floor 
And the person, you know, just says, oh, let me just go and get a snack or let me just go and gist with my friend or maybe a phone call comes in and the person says, oh, let me just pick this phone call and begins to gist and he doesn't enter into the elevator. Let's assume there's only one elevator. That elevator will have to go up to the 20th floor and then come down again before it picks you. But the truth is that that will take a lot of time. It's not as if the elevator will not come back. It's not as if the season of your life will not come back. But you would have waited for longer than God destined you to wait. And sadly, a lot of Christians are going through periods of waiting, not because God wanted them to wait, but because they missed certain seasons in their lives. Again, like I said, this doesn't mean all hope is lost. It just means that you would have waited more than God designed for you to wait. All right. And I really want to encourage us, don't miss a season in your life because you have been too careless or too callous. All right. And it is true fasting and prayer that we um, engage in the seasons of our lives and we birth those seasons in prayer. Okay, so we have to stop here. Um, time is fast spent. There's one more point, but I can't do that today. We'll probably look at that next week. Amen. All right, so at this point, I want to ask us if we have questions. We're going to pray before we go. I just want to spend at least five minutes praying um, based on, on what we've talked about today. But before we go into prayers for five minutes, I want us. I want to ask um, if we have any questions as regards fasting or, or based on what I just shared today. I mean, today we didn't talk about types of fast, you know, the Daniel fast, the water fast, the dry fast and all of that. But I just wanted to focus on the importance of fasting and why we fast as believers. So yeah, if we have any questions, please go ahead and ask. The floor is open. Hi, Victor. Yeah, hi, Dara. Um, thank you very much for teaching. Uh, you said you said you're continuing next week. I just want to find out if to address timing. So timing in, in terms of like 6 to 6, 6 to 12, 6 to, you know, this kind of thing. Yeah, I just want to yeah. find out because I really want to just want to have I don't know, sincerely, I just want to have closure on, on, on that. <laughs> okay, okay, good, good. Very good question. Um, so first of all, it wasn't, I didn't include that as part of my um, syllabus, but um, it's a good thing you asked about it. So with fasting, right, and if you check through scriptures, you you see certain patterns. However, there is no there was there is no instruction in the Bible that says you must fast from uh, morning till six or from morning till three or from morning till twelve or whatever timing. Um, however, if you check through scriptures, you find out that um, people fasted for days. Some people fasted um, and prayed, you know, every day. Um, but I need to explain the idea between, be, behind certain times. Now, if you check through scriptures, right, you see that the, the especially especially in the New Testament, you see that there were certain watches. Now, a spiritual watch from the, I mean, time would allow me to go into scripture to explain this, but a spiritual watch are certain times in the day where believers allocate to, to praying and to waiting on God. And if you check from the New Testament, you see that um, they had watches from 6 a.m., 9 p.m., sorry, 6 a.m., 9 a.m., 12 noon, 3 p.m., and 6 p.m. Now, it's because of these watches that many times people set, um, allocate their time to time to break their fast along with these watches, all right? So they say you can break your fast by 3, you can break your fast by, by 12, you can break your fast by 6, all right? 
um, that's why people allocate these um, timings. Now, it doesn't mean God will not hear your prayer if you pray by 2 o'clock or by 1 o'clock. Not at all. Just because of these watches that um, people allocated their timing. That's first response. Secondly, I would say to you that the purpose of fasting, one of the major purposes of fasting is, is for you to get your body light enough. And this, this is something I didn't get into today. But it's for you to get your body light enough so that your spirit can effectively engage God without the weight of your body interfering it. What I mean is this, that and you must have experienced that when you wait, when you abstain for food for, for some time, even though your body feels hungry, yet your, feel, your spirit feels more energized to pray. Okay? Now, fasting, it, fast, the purpose of fasting is for you to get yourself to that state. So if you haven't gotten to that state, I will encourage you to continue fasting. So for instance, um, if somebody doesn't, don't, doesn't like breakfast typically, right? Um, person doesn't eat breakfast. Um, it's very likely that if a person fasts till, took till 12 o'clock, he wouldn't feel anything. You'd just be like every normal day. Or if the first person fasts till about 3 o'clock, he might not feel really different. But if he extends his fasting to about 6 o'clock, right? In that state, he feels lighter. He has sufficiently deprived his body from food enough for his spirit to be light enough and engage God. So if you are such a person that you maybe don't even like eating on a normal day, self, you, your own fasting threshold might be a bit longer than someone that you know is, is you know is, is given to eating early. Okay. Now I'm not I'm not please don't don't uh, understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying you if you eat early that means you cannot fast longer. No no that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you yourself determine when you are light enough in your spirit to engage God and determine when you want to break. Also thirdly let me um, add that. It's very that's why it is very helpful to fast over a couple of days because sometimes the first day you might not really be light enough, but when you fast for some for three days, for seven days, for ten days, or even longer, it, over those period, over that um, those period of time, over those days, your body will be light enough that your spirit can effectively engage God. All right, Ida, does that answer you? As it totally does, actually. Thank you. All right, you're welcome. Okay, we'll take one more question. We need to pray now. I have a question. All right, go ahead, Faith. Okay, so on the issue of um, fasting and getting your body light enough to fellowship yes, and pray, I don't know if this happens to other people, but sometimes, while you know how food is like an energy to the body. And yeah. when you now lack that food, you can't even stand up. You not to talk up. Open your mouth to pray. So yeah. how do you... When is that light? I don't know. I don't know how to ask this question. That would I know a question, um, Faith. So, I mean, I experienced that a lot, too. And let, let, me, let me ask a question um, in a way I understand it. That when we fast, um, especially if you are... If you are starting, let's assume you are starting a three-day fast, right? The first day is going to be like, oh my God, what is going on with me? All your, your body, your enzymes, everything, your intestine, your the stomach, the walls of your stomach will begin to crave food. That's because they are used to food, okay? So how do we now, you know, get to a point where we can focus on God and not be distracted by the movement of our stomach and the desire it has for food? All right, and this, let, let me say this. 
it will help us that why we fast, right? First and foremost, you will feel hungry. There is no, if you read Matthew 4, Josh Christ, Rob says that Josh Christ was hungry at the end of his fast. So you're going to feel hungry. And you might feel, because your body has been, has been um, abstaining from food longer than it is used to, you might feel that initial weakness. So let me give us a, this is something I do and I encourage us, all right? Remember, the aim of fasting is not to starve yourself. The aim of fasting is to, is to abstain from food so you can focus on, on God. What I do is I take water, all right, at those points in time. I, if I'm not ready to break my fast by that time and um, and I feel that, you know, that intense, it's almost like your, my eyes is, my eyes are turning, I cannot see forward, and I'm like, hey, God, what is the time? Oh. So what I do is I take water, drink a lot of water. It is okay to drink water, I mean, during your fast because water doesn't deprive you of your sensitivity to God. And you can, you can never get drunk by drinking water. You might just get full for a while. And your body will just, you know, um, release the water out in the restroom. Okay, so take water. Your your that um, hunger pangs will come down. And let me say again that if you take water and secondly rest, right? Take water and rest. Two things are found out. If you take water and you rest for a couple of minutes, you find out that the hunger pangs will reduce again. Your body is simply trying to adjust to that extended period of not eating food. But by the second day, your body has gotten used to it. By the third day, you actually will even be enjoying the fast, all right? And this is especially true if you are used to eating early or you're used to eating certain quantities of portions of food per day. Your body might take, take um, some time to adjust to the abstinence from food, but at the end of the day, it will adjust. I trust you, I assure you rather, your body will, it will not die. You will not, you will not die from fasting one day. Your body will just simply adjust. So don't, don't give in to your body. Don't think you cannot do it. Discipline yourself, drink water, rest a bit, and then continue. And let me also tell you a, a trick, another spiritual hack. When you feel that way, right, go to the word of God and just be speaking the word of God, be speaking the word of God. Now, it may sound cliche or it may, sound, it may sound too spiritual, but it absolutely works. Be speaking the word of God, speaking the word of God. At some point, the hunger pants will also come down and you continue your fast. All right? So does that help um, faith? Yes, thank you so much, Victor. All right, you're welcome. I, I'm tempted to think that someone has a question. Um, also, so this is what's going to happen here. If you have a question, you can type it right away into the chat right now. Um, we're fast spent on time. We will answer it next week. We will start next week's um, um, Bible study with, with answering the question. So you can... Send the question, drop the question in the chat, and we will answer this, all right? So I want us to pray, pray today. And prayer is very simple. The prayer is taken from the book of Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. Let me just read that quickly for us. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. And this was Paul speaking, and he says that he will grant you, that's God, that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. All right? Um, he, he will grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So the prayer is this, that I want to pray and say, Lord, strengthen me by your spirit in my inner man. Remember, we talked about the fact that there are times when we go through life and we're weary and we're tired and all of that. And so I want to pray and say, God, strengthen us by your spirit in um, in my inner man, okay? 
Uh, and by the way, also, you can drop, just for begin prayer, you can drop your question in the WhatsApp group um, if you're in the group. And if you are not part of the WhatsApp group, I would, I would just drop a link for us to join the group here. Okay, so let us get praying. Remember, remember the prayer. Lord, strengthen us by your spirit. Um, strengthen us by your spirit in our in your in our inner man. Let us let us begin to pray. We're praying and we're saying, Lord, strengthen us by your spirit in our inner man. Lord, strengthen us by your spirit in my inner man. Lord, strengthen me by your spirit in my inner man in the name of of Jesus Christ, Karuski Barisko Paraskuza Kika Paraskozi Bale Male Tekete Korabas Kante. Lord, we ask for strength. We ask that you strengthen us. We ask that you strengthen us by your spirit in our inner man. We ask for strength. We ask for strength. We ask for strength. We ask for strength in the name of Jesus Christ. We ask for strength. We ask that you strengthen us by your spirit in our inner man. We ask that you strengthen us. By your spirit in our inner man. Lord, we ask that you strengthen by your spirit in our inner man. We ask that you strengthen us by your spirit in our inner man. In the name of Jesus Christ. If you've been feeling any weariness or, um, or tiredness in any area of your life, this is the moment where you ask God for strength. Lord, strengthen us with, with, with your might by your spirit in our inner man. Strengthen us with might. Strengthen me with might. Say, Lord, strengthen me with might by your spirit dwelling on the inside of me. Lord, strengthen me. Maybe you've been weak in your prayer. Maybe you've been weak in Bible study. Can we say, Lord, strengthen me? Strengthen me. Strengthen me. Maybe you be finding it difficult to forgive or difficult to love people or difficult to even give to others. I want to say, Lord, strengthen me. Whatever area you've experienced the weakness in your heart, can you pray and say, Lord, strengthen me? Garabasunte, me bragata kusanta, reketo mashada, adabada, 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 kureketo koto kobaras katelaba. Oh, Rakia Manosunte, Rakia Manasunte, Rakia Manasunte, Ikabarashete Kordobrigasko Suta Karabasunda Kabariskaba, Rekoto Koto Kotoma Jadan Babatani, Reba Gadaba Gadabarika Parantoski Satabaraspato. Lord, we ask that you strengthen us. We ask that you strengthen us, strengthen us, strengthen us in the areas where we've been weak, strengthen us. In the areas where we have been weary, strengthen us. In the areas where we've been faint, strengthen us. For you are the God that gives strength to the weary. Oh, you give strength to those who are faint. You said that those who wait upon you shall renew strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. So Lord, we ask that you strengthen us. Strengthen us with all power by your spirit in my inner man. Strengthen us with all power by your spirit in our inner man. Let us experience the revitalization of strength and the energy from the Holy Ghost. 
Lord, strengthen us. Maybe your Christian work has been shaky. It has been weak. It has been wobbly. Can you pray and ask God, Lord, strengthen me. Strengthen me. I don't want to run a haphazard race. I want, Lord, that you strengthen me by your spirit. Strengthen me by your spirit. Strengthen me by your spirit. Oh, Lord, by your spirit in my inner man, grant me strength. Let me not run this race as, as a mere man. I outsource my strength to you. I draw from your strength, your unending and everlasting supply of strength. Jesus, we ask for strength. We ask for strength. In the name of Jesus Christ, we have prayed. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. All right, let us let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for um for 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 committing yourself to strengthening us. We ask, Father, that you energize us. We don't know, I mean, a lot of us here might have different issues and different areas in which we need strength. So, Father, together as a as a body, we ask for strength. In every area where anybody here needs strength, we ask, Father, that you strengthen that person in the name of Jesus Christ that we run a race as Christians based on your strength, not our own abilities, in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. To you be all the glory and praise. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. So I was going to say something to encourage us, right? Um, make it a duty. The, the best way to grow is by creating a routine. So this is what I encourage everybody to do. If you are not already doing this, set out one day in a week where you fast. And keep to that day. If you choose Monday, then let it be that every Monday you fast. If you choose Friday, if you choose Wednesday, any day you choose, make sure every week you commit to fasting that particular day. It will significantly help your spiritual growth um, greatly. All right? And um, yeah, so we're going to end now. Just one thing before we do, before we go, please, if this is, the, if this is your first time joining us today, can you just um, introduce yourself? Tell us, um, just tell us who you are and um, who invited you. Just quickly before we go, anyone first time today? Just um, um introduce Hi. yourself. Hi. Hi, Victor. This is Oge. Hi, Oge. <laughs> All right. So um, yeah, everyone. My name is Oge. Uh, first time here. I I um, I've been wanting to join for some weeks now because I've been seeing the um, poster. Uh, so it's good to be here. I was really blessed um, joining today. Thank you very much, Victor. Oh, you're welcome. I was going to say, can we clap for him, but we're muted. So can we welcome him? Yeah. Welcome, Ogi. Um, anyone else? Um, hi. Hi, everyone. Um, I am IBK, and um, I joined today as well, although I joined late because I was coming over from another meeting, but I'm glad to be here and just the... 30-something minutes that I've been here has been amazing and I've been really blessed. So, yeah, thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Ibukun, IBK, for joining us. Please, let's welcome yeah. IBK. Um, uh, who else? First time here? Hi, Victor. Hi, Kishaya. This is Faye. Yes, this is my first time here. You invited me, actually, uh -huh. I think like two hours ago or so. And I'm glad I didn't miss it. Because I'm, I'm really blessed. I, I learned a lot from the message today. 
and I can relate to so many things. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you, Faye, for joining us. Please, let's welcome Faye, um, her first time here. Okay, is there any other person? First time, first time, let me see. Okay, none that I can recognize. All right, so we're going to close. I mean, this is probably the latest we've closed ever. Again, apologies for that. There's just so much to cover. Um, okay, yeah, apologies for that. So yeah, we're going to meet next week by God's grace, the same time and using the same link. Please, I encourage everyone, invite someone. If you've learned one thing at all in any of our Bible study, then you owe it to, um, to someone to learn as well. So please invite someone and um, drag them along, bring them along. You know, be like Peter that brought Andrew to meet Jesus. Okay, so see you next week. Same time, same link, and the same spirit. Have a blessed week, everyone. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. I'm going to wait for everyone to leave. All right. Good night, everyone.